0: Um, so what I'm really fascinated with, you know, two years ago, you guys, you sent me a sort of a, a nearly finished version of Britain's Big Cat Mystery and uh, said, would I do some sort of intro saying to people, yeah, will you, will you watch Big, Britain's Big Cat, Cat Mystery or, you know, get involved in some way? And I was like, oh, if I got to do something for somebody now? Okay, let's just watch this thing. And suddenly I was like, wow, okay. Uh, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I happily get on board and say something about this. And as the months progressed, I noticed more and more, uh, notable, not like myself, but notable people coming on and saying something positive about the documentary. That made me feel as if there was something about it that wasn't the norm. It wasn't the usual thing that we'd been expecting to see on television. And then later, of course, it was commissioned. It was aired on Blaze and some other um, uh, channels. And now you have Pantera, Panthera Britannia, which is also on is it on Amazon or Vimeo? Where, where can people get that?
1: It's on Amazon Prime in yeah. England, on Amazon Prime. Okay. And it's on Apple TV. And in the States, it's on Tubi. And there's a whole bunch of other streaming services like on Roku and stuff, but they're not live yet.
0: Okay. So there's there's the next part of the documentary and something very significant has happened in this past two weeks now this, you guys have released some dna evidence to the public and everybody's gone crazy but i even saw it on that paul joseph watson show that political commentator guy that talks about all that you know all of the right-wing things going on it popped up there and i thought oh, what's going on with this guy <laughs> know like, he's interested all of the american Podcasts are picking it up and saying finally there's some evidence here, so just run us through that what was found? how did you find it and and where where do we stand now with this evidence?
1: in two thousand seventeen, my mother was a member of a Facebook group about Gloucestershire horse riding, and she saw someone post in a picture about weird livestock killing a farmer's field so we contacted them and they invited us around. We went to look. I went with myself and Rick Minzer, and we swabbed this dead lamb. It was big, mind, and smelly. <laughs> we we swabbed the body and all those swabs were sent off to Warwick University. Mm. Um and they said that they weren't able to extract DNA or any, you know intact DNA from those swabs and uh that that was it for that and then at the end of the summer of last year uh we were contacted by the farmer's daughter again and there was another one and we went and looked and it was really sunny we were experiencing a heat wave at that time mm. and it stank and i made uh, carl marshall examine this <laughs> thinking,
0: uh, and it was flies everywhere maggots galore i mean you deferred to the expert that's why you did it right that's why he had to go yeah. and examine it yeah
1: yeah, was, go on, Carl. Was, yeah, one more take, one more take. <laughs> Carl, you know, again, And he's, he's, he's getting hands in. he said he couldn't even started getting to me. So anyway, we had the calipers and there was a uh, mm. canine, well, what we think were canine tooth impressions or we'll punch marks mm. with like maybe two, no, What's that? I don't know what that is, a three to four inch cat.
0: Wow.
1: So it could be a dog, mm. but it could be something else. I mean, you, you know, when you're making a film about big cats, you're thinking, oh, that looks like a cat, like, but... uh Anyway, it was was too ambiguous because it had dried out. Stinking, secondary predation, maggots. Mm. And there was a a load of walls spread out across the ground, much similar to what there was the time before in the prior uh, visit that we did. And then we checked the perimeter and the the field had really good fencing around it. Mm. But what it did have on the top, because it was on a hill, so right at the top of the hill, on that end boundary, there was a stone wall, like a old stone wall maybe. Mm-hmm. So something could jump over that easily into the field, but it would have difficulty getting out because it's obviously high to get out, easy to get in. Mm-hmm. And there was just a bunch of, like, wall and all sorts on there. And uh, we just bagged it up. And to be honest, Carl thought it was all oh, sheep. Um. So anyway, we bagged it up thought nothing of it. And then we... I had a professor who does hair mm-hmm. morphology uh, look at this sample, and he said he was what was the word suspicious of it? Mm-hmm. In that you know, there's something. You know, he said there were several different species and all these different samples, like some obviously sheep, some some cattle, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, but he wouldn't say yes or it was or no, it wasn't. So um, we proceeded to. Get the uh, DNA test done using mitochondrial, which is meant to be really good for species analysis. Mm-hmm. Like previously, we used uh, cheaper, less advanced techniques, and with hairs, never actually yielded any result. It was always unable to extract mm-hmm. DNA. And we, uh, when we used scats in the past, we'd always get vulpus vulps. They always give it to you in Latin names, but that's mm. a fox, right? So it would just literally always be fox. And once we had, uh, when we filmed Cat Hunters, we had European Rabbit, because in that case, it was obviously the prey animal in uh-huh. the
0: scat. I see.
1: But, you know, we couldn't tell what had eaten it. So it was, again, inconclusive. We used this mitochondrial, which is uh, quite expensive, actually, but mm. it's really good for species identification. So... The lab did that, and then I got the phone call, and I was like, well, what is it, Volpes Vops?" And she's like, "No, no, we 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 we've, we've got a leopard, ninety wow. point, you know, something ninety nine point nine something pardus. And then I, wow, I asked, you know, because the theory is all these animals, well, that's what I think they all stem from the pet trade from the nineteen mm-hmm. seventies, although there was accounts going back a lot earlier than that, like sixteen hundreds. We'll mm. go back to the Romans, but we don't know if there was a sustained you know, releases in that time to, yeah. to keep the population going. And not at this volume, anyway. Yeah, not at this volume.
0: Mm. And I forgot I forgot where I was going but that. What was I talking about? Well, uh, just, uh, came as, as leopard, uh, it came back yeah, as yeah, leopard, essentially. It came back as leopard, subspecies. So I wanted to mm. know whether subspecies. we can ascertain what subspecies this mm. leopard could have been
1: these leopards that are in a pet trade they could have come from you know africa india you know anywhere and uh obviously some people think that they could be hybridizing due to the lack of you know available
0: Mm.
1: you know mates
0: mates yeah yeah so
1: some people theorize that we could have like these puma leopard hybrids or or even possibly designer you know uh cats, what they call them? F Savannah Savannah yeah, cats. Savannahs yeah. I yeah. yeah. mean
0: you know, the there was F1 one that escaped force. in London, wasn't there? Yeah. Uh, someone in there's, Chelsea. A, Yeah, I, there's a lady that walks one around here and I I think um it's about it looks it's about a meter long, you know. Um well well no, maybe not a meter, but just slightly shorter that with the tail. And um First, first view before I heard about these species and saw this thing. I think it was off the lead one day or it was sort of running around in the park. I thought, what the hell is that? Is this, is this, um, a British wildcat, you know? Uh, and it wasn't, you know, she came eventually, she got a hold of it. She put the lead back on this thing. And I just found out about the savannas and there was a whole new world opened up there. Suddenly of these, these cats that, that occasionally do get out into the countryside. And I'm sure account for some sightings but could those types of cats do do you know, could they breed with leopards?
1: I mean, I'm not a zoologist so I couldn't answer that but obviously Puma is Felis Hmm. and Leopard is Panthera but they can interbreed although there's it's debatable whether the offspring would be fertile Hmm. I think Okay. um baron Nash says in the film that the the females may be but the males almost never are i think uh-huh. that's what said. don't quote me um and obviously the other interesting things are melanism the fact that the all the sightings are generally black you do get the occasional mm. slightly colored cougar but the majority of, are black and melanism is passed on genetic, genetically so i mean i saw the cat i saw it was uh black um I'd like to think I could tell you what its species it was mm. but it's big and black and it
0: had a very shiny coat because my car lights reflect something. of it I mean this is always the case isn't it you know what's interesting about that and I a few years ago I had uh considered whether or not Britain unofficially could hold one of the largest populations of melanistic leopards in the world as a as a theory because I thought well actually it's quite rare in nature, in the countries in which they predominate leopards. And yet it would have been a very popular pet to have during the sixties and seventies because they're very beautiful. These melanistic leopards or, or jaguars, perhaps more likely leopards. And after they were released, allegedly, could they have then gone on to propagate, as you say, this, this, this melanism, this hereditary, hereditary condition and unofficially create one of the largest populations of melanistic leopards in the world, in a country in which they're not supposed to live. I mean, is that a possibility at all? What do you think about that theory?
1: Well, a lot of people will come out and say straight away, oh, you know, there wouldn't be enough, the habitat's not right for, for, or or, there's not enough prey. I'd completely disagree. I think that it'd be like shooting fish in a barrel for a Mm. leopard. There's endless amounts of pheasants and rabbits, and we have still plenty of woodland. Mm. So I I think that the habitat could sustain them, but do I think that there's enough genetic material for this population to be healthy, or do I think that this population is fragile or, or if you like, for interbreeding, could die out? I think potentially, I mean, there's a lot of questions there, Mm. Uh, but of course to one of those answers, people got to take it seriously and and investigate it. That might be going on. It might not be going on. I mean, we don't really know. I mean, it's just easier and probably better for the cats, you know, and for us by coexisting, you know, in each other's sort of. Well, definitely them in our mythology, but I like the fact that they're a mystery. And so they're not. They're also, not officially
0: yeah. a part of the British. So fauna at this time do you, do you think that's more of a positive thing yeah i do because
1: uh, what's the consequences of mm. uh these animals being officially like you know disclosed mm. i mean oh i'm afraid to take my kids because out to the forest because of the panthers or mm. my livestock i want money from defra there's all these other questions that okay. would arise okay. but then when we look you know these things have been here at least since the 70s yeah there hasn't been any incidents if you like, so, or, you know, so why would we worry about it now?
0: Yeah, so are you saying that there's been no attacks? I have heard of some, um, some interactions where people have been allegedly either chased or mildly injured or, or pounced upon and then immediately left afterwards, which would indicate that perhaps the cats were surprised or, or angered in some way. A uh, few people have also disclosed to me that they were chased while walking their dogs. And they thought, that the animal was after their dog, not them.
1: Yeah, I've heard stuff about dogs. Mm. There was something in the press last year. I think it was a staffy had a, a laceration on its head, mm. and the owner said that. And there was obviously the the young lad back in the nineties,
0: but that that came out to be a hoax, I think. He was a he was a school friend of one of my best friends' brothers in Tintin. It was in yeah. Tintin, yes, and allegedly he claimed. The brother of the friend that is not not the, ch- the kid himself. That this kid was like the school fool, and he had. Um, and I've never met him, so I'm not calling him a fool. If you're out there somewhere, kid who was lacerated from Tintin, but he had allegedly walked up, seen it in the field, and yanked its tail, and it turned round, swatted him, and ran off was the story at the time. I seem to remember that was coming back. Sounds like a
1: dangerous game, if I'm honest. It
0: does, but it also sounds like something a teenage boy would do yeah. if he was, you know, a little on the the, the daring and and um, <laughs> not particularly cautious sort of character when seeing a very strange animal in the field that's not supposed to be there. It's a teenage boy sort of dare like thing to do, isn't it? You know, yeah, is, is it, for it uh, When I was a kid, yeah.
1: we had. Uh... I mean, it sounds bad now, but we we was, we were both at scouts, you know, about probably eleven, and um, we used to live on the Somerset Mendips near a place called Crook's Peak, mm. uh, and we would go looking for the cat, like because at the time we used to hear it in the local village gossip, you know, like, like livestock, and it was in the nineties. There seems to be mm. a lot of activity in the nineties, and we used to go looking for this thing with a BB gun, you know. Of course, it was fun. <laughs>
0: Ugh. But and don't you think that's a lot like people are going, well, I think it's a lot like people are going looking for Bigfoot, actually. Um, there's only been one time in the forest when I was uncertain whether something was in there with me, and I could hear footsteps and things, and I think it was a deer now, I'm coming to think of it, it was in Scotland, and I was, I'd was i been, like, hours into the forest, it was really deep, and <clears throat> I thought I'd seen a man-like figure up the hill, sort of duck behind a tree, but I think it was, you know, in the corner of my eye, floaters or something, anyway. It was at that point I suddenly realized. Well, hang on a second. If this is a real creature and you're stuck in the forest by yourself with it, that's a really shit situation to be in, (laughs) you know. And I think it's the same with the big cats. You know, you go looking for something you want to find, but don't expect to find. And that's the same thing, isn't it? You with your BB gun with your friends looking for Mm -hmm. a big cat, not really expecting that you're going to have to face it off with your BB gun in hand. Hopefully, you know, a viable deterrent.
1: At that time, I used to work for a, a sheep farmer. Well, my parents volunteered me to work for a sheep farmer <laughs> in lambing. And this guy said that he had, a, at the time, a toy, a Hilux. And he'd lost a couple of animals, and he saw it, and he drove after it, and he took a shot at it. Wow. And this thing outran his Hilux. Wow. He said it was a big big black cat. I tried to get him to do an interview, and he moved his sheep farming business to uh, New Zealand. Okay, so it's a bit difficult to uh, get the interview, but something that I had mentioned to you was during the course of Panthea Britannia investigation, we uncovered at least, I mean, not all of them are definite, but like, I would say they're fairly, potentially that they could be something in it was, was that the amount of released cats, like, I, I had it down to seven, just in, wow. in, in total. Yeah, just, just Devon, and that's what know and then the other day I was reading comments on social media mm. under the article after it went out, and there was someone like, oh, you know, a guy, Devon, uh, a drug dealer, you know, had somebody just let him go, he got bored of them, and then you read the comments, and then you just see how many people have seen cats, and they just mm. come out the woodwork, and, and how many people know people releasing them as well, I mean, it's yeah. not, yeah. I mean, it, it's it, it's more than you would think, I think.
0: Who is that famous big cat keeper in the Malvern Hills, Lou something? uh, Lou Foley. Lou Foley. Okay, was it, did he claim he had released them, or a friend of his, posthumously, um, claimed he um, had released them?
1: He had his friend, uh,
0: Leslie Leslie
1: Maiden, and he confesses Uh. in a BBC Midlands Today clip that he released a Jaguar, actually of all things, onto the fennines, and then a cougar a week later. Wow. And um I mean, yeah, there's some eccentric people back then
0: who were mm. animals. And of course there's those three uh, pumas that that belong to Mary Chipperfield from the Chipperfield Circus that mysteriously disappeared en route to the zoo. All well right, yeah, yeah funnily enough, time.
1: Leslie made them work for her as
0: well. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> it's all <laughs> A rich tapestry of um of shady characters who love dangerous animals so, um you,
1: you think about it though you know you've got you know yeah well, i don't know what you'd call him like you've got pet bagheera you know he likes mm. to look around a ball of wool. he's quite friendly really just like a domestic cat to scale up then suddenly you can't have him what are you going to do you're going to let yeah. him be destroyed you're just going yeah. to let you know, live his days out you know?
0: yeah well and, and you mentioned this actually i think in the, the documentary don't you then even though in 1976, these really, I think they were, they were really, really uh, prohibitive costs and uh, conditions that were associated with, I've got them here somewhere, with uh, keeping the big cats, like an enclosure with enough room to to take exercising. That was, um, that was, uh, what's it say here? And so it's in section three, CNF of the act. It says, uh, any animal concerned will at all times it's, if it's being kept, only under the authority of the license be held in the accommodation which secures the animal but not escape, which is suitable regards construction size, temperature, lighting, ventilation, drainage, cleanliness, suitable for the number of animals proposed. And um, where accommodation is such that it can take adequate exercise. Now, how big? Now, does the, the enclosure that you have to build suddenly after having this thing tied up and lead well, on the farm one thing, it sounds have to like be?
1: Servants were a lot more effective at their jobs then than they are now. I couldn't imagine them checking up on all these.
0: No, people. well, gosh, did they check up? But apparently there was uh, there was no um, provision to rehouse the animals until 1981. Is that right? Yes, I mean there was a loophole. Yeah, you could. Yeah. Okay, so you could legally, technically, let them go. That's right. Wow. Okay. And what would you do? I mean, if, if I'm just thinking, if I had a big cat, then how, how would you get it destroyed? If that was the the, the decision that you took, is it a service that the local it. vet, you know, um, would I don't would like that word, destroy? I mean,
1: if, I mean, if you couldn't rehome it, or, yeah. or uh, you, you know, then I'm guessing that it wouldn't even be your decision. It would be seized from you.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they just disappeared, and um, <clears throat> now we have them. Now, I don't know if I told you this when we were out last on a little shoot, but my uh sister-in-law, her brother's partner, um, she was driving in a place called Wenville, which is between Barry and Cardiff in South Wales, maybe about two, three months ago. And suddenly the girls, the daughters in the car said, look, there's a bear in the field, there's a bear. And they pulled over, and actually she said what she saw she's got no interest in the subject at all was a lioness that was all black walking around in the field. And they watched it for for some time and she was shocked and you know, she was shocked thinking this thing had escaped from a local zoo or, or park of some kind. And she checked, she found nothing. She contacted me and I said, no, this is, this is one of the locals, you know, born in this country, likely born to a cat, born in this country, even two or three times before what, type of situation do you think we're heading into now you said you're concerned about the viability the genetic viability of the species but sightings do seem to be more commonplace and they do seem to be widespread throughout the entire country what kind of situation do you think we're going to in the next 20 or 30 years will these big cats be like the gray squirrel or the canada goose where our you know our, our descendants won't even know most of them that they were never uh native to the country or do you think it might go a different way altogether
1: but i think firstly a lot of the sightings are mistaken identification i mean i see a lot of the photo stuff and it's mm. so ambiguous and especially even with our article they kept putting this uh ginger spripey ginger tabby yeah, seen it. Yeah. on it and it's just like what are you doing but then you know i mean the dna is quite serious then you put mm. that on it and then it makes this it, it makes it not so serious so maybe that's what we want, I don't know. Um, but uh, as far as uh, population, I mean, I really couldn't tell you, I'm not as a scientist. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to you've to
0: taken reports from all over the country, Matt. Yeah, they are, you've, yeah. You've, you've, you can see the dispersion and the frequency. And of course, you know, these are solitary animals largely that have got, in mm-hmm.
1: Scotland. They captured the uh, the, the cougar back in uh, uh-huh. mm-hmm. I think it was the 70s or the 80s, mm-hmm. I can't remember now. Sorry, it's late. And um, they, that's obviously taxidermied in the museum up there. Mm. So you've got that in Inverness. And then, uh, you know, you've got all the releases in Devon that we feature in the film. Mm. I mean, that's the one end of the country to the other.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. Um, I don't really know what's going to happen. I'm excited to know that they're out there. But there's something, something. I, I think there's it's an open question you know clearly there has been no fatalities and I think you mentioned earlier that uh finding food for big cats like this in our country is like shooting fish in a barrel I personally think that's the reason why there have never been any human fatalities there really is no need to seek any other sustenance other than the 33 million plus rabbits or you know the 5 million deer or the 33 million sheep that roamed the country 16 to eighteen thousand of which are killed by dogs every year, and it could easily be excused away as you know as uh, as dog kills and not big cat kills. So I don't think we're looking at a situation where people will be injured. But I just wonder what will happen once you know we get that definitive footage or a capture of a big cat, and the government has to get involved.
1: I mean, it does. I feel like it doesn't matter what you get in terms of footage, photos. It'll always be. Uh you know, considered is it authentic? Is it this? Mm. Is it that? I mean, actually there was a picture last week that allegedly some guy got on X and it was uh he was a bird watcher and I sent it off to a forensic mm. uh digital guy and yeah he's like pulled it to pieces and he's like <laughs> no this
0: is this has been doctored so um, is this the one that's off in the distance kind of walking down the disused oh, no, trail this is like
1: this is like it's hollywood headshot it's like too good to be true it's like oh, it's got okay. this lovely landscape of Exmoor, and
0: then this. oh i know the one got, yeah yeah and,
1: and they've obviously they mm. they've rotoscoped to mask the grass into the mm. foreground and then all the depth of fields look right so like if you just look at it it looks like it's a good they've done a good job yeah. whoever it was but when it went through the forensic analysis mm. they were able to to take it apart but uh, you know, so as long as stuff like that's going on mm. the subject, it, it's never gonna be.
0: No. No, it's always gonna have the believers, the non-believers. Well, we know. need a live specimen, right? I suppose. We need a live specimen in captivity captured from Well, they got the
1: taxidermy oh, wow. one in Vanessa.
0: <laughs> that could be a one off though, couldn't that was it? I caught, think... It yeah. was a
1: pet. It was it was a pet. Yeah.
0: There you go. So I think Felicity, there's uh... the name, Felicity. Felicity. Ah, okay. Yeah, I do remember something. Quite a quite a sort of uh, uncomfortable, taxidermy face. <laughs> sort of <laughs> strange, uh, strange looking face as well. You talked about hybrids earlier, and you know, obviously, if there's pumas and big cats and a few slots and other things wandering about the place, there is the possibility that things could become hybridized. I remember speaking to a farmer in Yorkshire who described having uh, seen them. Uh, in his, in his, in, in his fields from time to time. And once when he was baling hay with the tractor for his horses, uh, in a field that had lots of rabbit warrens, warrens, he said that one of them passed by his, his farm. He could have reached out from the tractor and touched it. But he said this thing was about, um, about two and a half feet long, maybe only knee height, but it didn't look like a juvenile animal. And I wondered, you know, could they, could they be coming? be could they be growing smaller over time to to deal with the smaller prey items like rabbits and and other things
1: well firstly like a puma put when they were bred falsely bred in captivity they were like dwarf like dwarf size mm. like that but at mm-hmm. the same time if it was a leopard to evolve to a small animal i mean it takes thousands of years for animals to make significant changes mm-hmm. so i don't think that in 20 <laughs> years, you'd be getting
0: sort of, you know. Sure, sure, sure. Perhaps that's the, the hybridised side of the animal. I mean, I know that's some—that's um, a touchy subject. Interesting. For a lot I don't know if you saw
1: it. Uh, this week, I saw uh, my mother actually sent it to me. Mean, it was on a David Attenborough page. It was a Canadian lynx. It was
0: melanistic. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But that doesn't normally affect pumas. I don't think there's ever okay. been a a registered case of a melanistic puma, has there?
1: In America, what do they call it? The Florida panther in America? Mm. They, they I mean, there's there's rumours of it. I mean, it's only, all it is, is just like, I mean, I think it's possible.
0: I think melanism is possible for all animals. I mean, you the, the amount of things
1: that are, are, are albino and melanistic, I mean, it seems to exist in most mammal species.
0: Have you heard of um, uh, stories in China and, and India and other places, uh, mostly stories from the distant past now, uh, of blue tigers. Have you ever read about these before?
1: I've never heard of a blue tiger. Blue
0: tigers, yeah. So there's something to do, well, it's theorised, Dr. Carl shuka the cryptozoologist, yeah. theorised that it. So it could be something to do with uh, some missing, I think, genes on one of the LLs uh, that could cause this blue tint, the tiger. And there were lots of big game hunters and, and also in Chinese uh, folklore, I suppose, and mythology, there's lots of stories of these blue tigers appearing from time to time and I you know it just it just reminded me you said about the, the possible black pumas that in nature finds a way there's always some possibility Jeff for, <laughs> yeah did I did it go bloom you sorry yeah. I did I did it without the, um, <laughs> the stuttering or the pauses though uh which is which is good <laughs> and uh Jeff you all love Jeff but you know, nature just find a way, and maybe as you said, we are looking at some hybrids here. You know, I've seen some rather suspect, occasionally big cat pictures here in the past of cats that do appear to be very big, possibly leopard-sized. You know, possibly puma-sized, yeah, but with pointed ears. Blurs. Yeah, black blurs, large ones, range the but size. I'm talking about this this strange uh, sort of domestic ear shape as well. Sometimes so this pointed ears or on some big cats. Have you ever? Seen any yeah, pictures like that?
1: Uh, I mean yeah, so it's it's like a man almost like a melanistic uh sound. Yeah. Mm. Quite lean bodied, like like very athletic, kinda of lean, not stocky.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, with the more point it is, I have seen stuff like that,
0: yeah. That would make sense. So tell us about what are the next steps for the documentary? Because you're you're filming a new segment to Panthera Britannia right now, aren't you?
1: Yeah, so we've taken some stuff out and we put some new stuff in.
0: Uh, so
1: there's new, there's a couple of bits of new science. There's new uh, forensic analysis on some of the imagery, and there's some new faces and some of the old faces have, have gone just to separate it more from the previous versions.
0: And do you think, um, do you think, with the new techniques that you're employing out there in the field, there's there's a possibility of of other discoveries, like the um, like the like the hair that you discovered of the the leopard in Gloucestershire.
1: What do you mean in relation to cats or in big cats? Yeah, absolutely. What else could we discover? I mean, like you say, anything anything really left is better video
0: photo evidence mm. or the body. And have you have you considered any? I suppose any hunting or tracking techniques, the possibility of capturing the animals, or, or are there any legal ramifications for, for carrying out such an activity?
1: So, like, most of the traps that they would use in countries where they do catch them are, are illegal here, yeah, like snares mm-hmm. and stuff. But the yeah, South African fellow Trevor, who actually did actively trap problem animals in South Africa, uh, there are ways to do it, you just need to know what you're doing.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I feel like people in Britain, we just we just don't have that skill
0: set, to be honest. Well, you know, like him. yeah, I think that's a th- and that applies to lots of uh genres. It's the same thing with the, the big footing genre. I've been shocked how many times people have gone out with uh anything to cast a footprint with, or even a tape measure or something for scale. Uh, you know, a little sort of a little bag or some tweezers, you know, it's a little bio bag and some tweezers to collect your hey, hair samples.
1: I don't know if i'm allowed to say it but we i'm working on something at the moment uh one of my friends has recently gone on an expedition to indonesia looking for mm. a rank oh wow yeah and i've got i've got some casts upstairs have you yeah but they, think... we need to get them D analyzed and stuff to send okay.
0: them off to uh dr meldrum yes i'm, I'm sure he'd, he'd be more than happy uh who is it that's gone off is it um is it Richard or Carl or one of those guys?
1: Yeah, Carl, yeah. Carl, ah, oh, oh, great, fantastic. I don't know if he's classified. Sorry, Carl, but um, you we're still working on it, so we're getting it all analysed now.
0: So. Okay, but the, the, the tracks perhaps are classified, but Carl and Richard going off to Indonesia, that's, so the, that's find... not a surprise to anybody.
1: <laughs> there was a, another discovery, but I'm not going to say where it was, but they, okay. they found something else significant.
0: Wow. Okay. I'm going to have to. I have messaged him actually. I'm going to have to drag him on here when he's back.
1: Of course. uh, Have you got your tinfoil hat ready for tomorrow?
0: Yes, I do. I've got my tinfoil hat, and I'm also, you know, I've, um, I've, I've, I've I've done the tea leaves and everything ready, just in case. Mm -hmm. Um, I've, I've asked for permission. So, what is the, what is the mission tomorrow? It's uh, a haunted hotel, hotel.
1: and it's going to be like one of the most haunted in suffolk and it, it i think it even had a highwayman ghost there Wow, okay. we're, we're, we're going there as part of the first episode of weird britain Brilliant. where we also as you were there we did Rendlesham forest mm. and we looked at the legend of
0: black shuck which is like really interesting the mythology and folklore yes yeah um, i wrote a bit about that I, I think it's it's amazing it's amazing black
1: Shuck festival we're going to go and film there and bungie that weather you know, where i allegedly went mm. to the church but like for me i just love I like folklore it's interesting isn't it it's
0: part of our history so it is and i think it tells you a lot about it, people as well one there's always a kernel of truth somehow it's in some some of the folk legends that you hear something did happen at some point and it's always interesting to try to work out what the something was uh, it's The just same with dragon lore. sometimes when you look at the stories you know the uh, of people killing dragons and defeating Serpents and the like in in their in their local towns and neighborhoods. They're not very frivolous stories. They're they're usually quite mundane. Quite... And dragons. It
1: sounds like ex-wives, if
0: you ask me. Yeah, <laughs> killing dragons exactly, or ex-wives, mothers, right? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> are you in the ex-wives club? No, sorry, you don't have an ex-wife. You, me, no, no far too no. young. Okay, yes, I'm still alive, yeah. and I'm i'm going to just pretend that i'm far too young to have an ex-wife i don't have one when i'm too young um yeah so that i think all of that stuff is very interesting but with the big cats as well you know, there were there were stories you mentioned in the past you know in the distant past too of cat-like animals yeah. prowling the country
1: so when we were investigating panthea retirement we went right back to obviously everyone says you know, Roman times, you know, mm. did bring them here. They brought a lot of other stuff here. Yeah. In Sirencester, they have the Corinium, mm. which is like a sort of a small scale version of the Colosseum in Rome. Yeah. And it's possible that they definitely had spectacles there, but did they have gladiatorial combat? We don't know. Uh-huh. Did they have, uh-huh. But then if they did, what would they be fighting? Because, they, you know, in the continent, they fought big cats quite a lot. And in some of the ware pottery, there is uh, right. s- sort of designs of gladiators fighting big cats. So that's quite interesting. And that's also where the Panthera Britannia came from that. But uh, uh-huh. there were a few other examples, you know, throughout history in 1600s, 1700s, um, right to the present day. I mean... But from roman times, you've got to think that means <laughs> that's a long time ago it's like two thousand
0: years well, it's a long time to stay out of sight i suppose it's is, it is. Is the uh, good point yeah i mean there's a I, I, uh, who's the champion big for all the black cats hide and seek champion I don't oh know well that. i mean yeah i mean from the british perspective it would have to be the wood wolves because we see the big black cats all the time don't we mm-hmm. even now so that's um they're, they're not particularly good at hiding if you think about the number of sightings they're just clearly mostly primarily nocturnal and living in very rural places and, and hard to find. There was, um, by the way, talked about the Roman, uh, uh, Roman Colosseums and bringing big cats. There's a lovely, uh, mosaic in Gloucestershire. isn't now in Worcester. The, the Orpheus mosaic It's in the Roman village there of a lion. You yeah, know, that's, um, that's actually,
1: hmm. I'm not sure. I've- I think there's two the one in the mm. museum in siren Sister, is uh-huh. also he calls it the orpheus mosaic i'm not sure if it's the same one and it was moved or if there's two
0: oh really ones. but what was
1: cool? so it's huge it's round and it's absolutely massive so we got we got our drone and i flew it in the museum inside yeah that's the one yeah and, that's and, the and one span, span above it and you you know it's oh. sort of nice. but there's definitely yeah you know leopards on it and i think the god of wine who yeah. who rides his chariot i guess that's Bacchus, yeah Bacchus, yeah, yeah being yeah.
0: pulled by these these uh, leopards and i, I mean, suppose that's that's so your riding style past. right yeah. <laughs> in a, a drunk in a yeah. chariot pulled by leopards yeah, yeah <laughs> that's how i always turn up to the arena to watch some poor unfortunates get torn to bits bit by lions my leopard drawn chariot yeah. off my face on wine <laughs> <laughs> No, that's it's clearly, it's the only way to arrive. Um, and well, I guess what I'm interested in is, is what, what we're going to see next, the Panthera Britannia. Will this, you think this could turn into, cause you had the Cat Hunter series that you, um, you did a pilot for. Could this turn into something that's, um, as an ongoing series of documentaries or are you think you're more likely to move on, as you see with Weird right. Britain and a few other, um, paranormal um, subjects in the country?
1: i think we've got i've gone as far as i can and my team have with cats Mm -hmm. i mean we've like dug out so much from the history i don't think there's much there is obviously more but Mm -hmm. i feel like the main things that we've got and those people you know a lot of them are quite old now because we're talking you know from a a long time i feel like we covered it well i mean there's always going to be new photographs new videos um that's that's going to happen but i feel like for me you know i've 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 done what I can and um I want to move on to uh, other stuff. I mean I always like cryptozoology and mm-hmm. weird paranormal stuff. I also like factual stuff and I've actually written a movie, uh, which is actually big cat based. Uh, okay. okay, it's but it's a comedy. So oh, really? yeah, it's called <laughs> Claws and it's um it's quite funny. It's a bit like Hot Fuzz.
0: Okay. Oh, I love that idea. Okay. Okay. Oh, with um if Simon. Oh, that would Simon peg. Nick Frost could be the the lead. That oh, would be amazing. He'd be the, he's like he'd be amazing. Yeah. yeah, they would be amazing. I think it would suit them, even though they're sort of a bit crumbly now and all of themselves. Um, I, I do think. I mean, that that series they did the um, the paranormal series didn't really go so well, did they? Yeah, it wasn't
1: very good. I don't think it was written very well. No, uh, with with Cat Hunters, you know, it was it was great, but the, there's. There seems to be a stigma towards the subject. There was, they were still making TV shows about it mm. in the early two thousands. You had uh, obviously the Monster Quest did one, but that was America. America's not going to have that stigma, but certainly I think with the terrestrial channels, yes. I mean, even Chris Packham, he, that was X Creatures, mm. you know, and, and and I think they did do stuff before. But if you were to mention it, they like to the distance themselves, and I don't really know why that is find it a bit odd because it's an interesting subject a lot of people are interested in it and yet it it seems to just be pushed to one side and I don't know why
0: that is do you think that's that's part of our British disposition in the sense to, to believe in anything fanciful is almost um it, it almost uh, lacks that, credibility yes. so you have that. to yeah, even if you're you're way into ghosts and cryptos. I, so I found like- myself sometimes saying, you know, I'm a hopeful sceptic. Well, I'm not a sceptic in any way whatsoever. I look at the evidence sceptically, but I'm clearly not a sceptic.
1: I think something common in cryptozoology and science is that pe- pe- people at the top, people, the academics, they like to quote mm. books written by dead people. Mm. And that is gospel. And if anything challenges mm. that, it's pure nonsense. But yeah, they won't ever go <laughs> out in the field to look for it. They'll just quote that yes. book.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I've run into that once or twice. Sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it'll
1: give you that condescending sort oh, of. Yeah.
0: The, the condescension is a strange one because essentially, if you know, if you're scientific, if you're being academic in your um, in your evaluation of the evidence that's been presented to you, even if that's anecdotal evidence, you don't need to disparage anybody or be disparaging to anybody or or to put them down or to to um, resort to ad hominem. Oh, the best sorry. line
1: I heard was that's not a cat but i can't tell you what it is okay well, that was someone commenting on one of our things <laughs> it was like well it can only be it's in england you know you don't know what it is but it's not it just doesn't yeah. make sense it's like a double negative
0: yeah that's right that's right i can tell you what it's not right i just can't tell you what it is yeah. um and i've come across this time and time again especially with the bigfoot phenomena it's 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 impossible. And you get this with Nessie as well from the things like the pleasure source theory. It's impossible because we know that, blah, blah, blah. And then you look back to what they knew 20 years ago and you realize that they've completely changed what they knew then to decide what they know now. And that's the Bible. That's the gospel. And you can't move past this until there's this big paradigm shift again. And everybody now accepts this new set of facts that nobody's allowed to question and Society's always been that way. Only oh, you have to look at the, you know the earth was flat, the earth is a, a sphere, it's a globe. These things threaten people, I suppose. Oh. Even if it threatens their the general world view, it's it's still a threat. Um I do you see it's... parallels though between the British Big Cap and
1: Bigfoot? Uh, I think the same thing's happened. Like if the I mean if there is something, I mean I don't really know much about Bigfoot, but if there was something in it, the amount of you know, ambiguous stuff, hoaxes, and mm. you know, like just stuff like that. It's going to muddy the waters, and then yes. you just end up. It's like a stalemate, and it's the
0: same sort of thing. It, it definitely is, and um, and I think, I think a lot of the hoaxing in cryptozoology, and perhaps with big cats as well, comes from the fact of uh that you can be involved in the in the in the genre in the research in the study the, really without any credentials now i don't really believe in credentialism i think if you've got the passion and and the skills you should just get involved that's that's my view on it however you know it's not an industry that has a lot of money in it and most of the funds are made through merchandising and documentaries and the rest of it and that creates a need for continuous content because of the content and the very—I mean—the lacking, the lack of any viable or tangible evidence or footage, even people hoax, you know, to get those that attention, to get those likes and clicks, and, and sell those t-shirts. And it's um, it's it's sad, but I don't think we're going to be able to get away from that anytime soon. I
1: mean, like you know, you could just wear a Chewbacca Star Wars suit in
0: America and those your hoax. I mean,
1: it's a bit easier out there, isn't it? It's oh, my side. It... <laughs>
0: Well, there's some look. There's some AI ones now as well coming out. There's a, there's one that's going around the um the, the various pages at the moment with this huge Bigfoot-like creature standing next to somebody. You know, in the old days, classic AI hoax, eighteen hundreds kind of photo. Mm-hmm. And even on the photo itself, it says "made by the AI project." And everybody, and it's it's small, but it's there. It's clear, and everybody's like, "Wow, this is amazing." Wow. look at that you know you can tell but many people can't they're that desperate for it um i also saw a clip of a heron just with its neck above the water sort of wrestling a fish i suppose the fish was quite big and heavy and that was in its mouth and it was moving around in the water but you could only see the neck i'm guessing because of the weight of the fish and it was trying to wrestle it to shore nessie you know nessie is found and the amount of likes and comments you get underneath that compared to something that's possibly viable evidence or at least you know um not sensational and has something to it is it's kind of sad you know it's the red circle brigade again and yeah that's... it's muddy
1: the water so you can't you can't ever make an argument without this stuff being dug up you know from yeah from elsewhere to to, to uh you know delegitimize it
0: that's the truth that's the truth uh, I think we'll leave it there, Matt, but I just uh, thank you so much. Uh, anybody watching, listening, go and find Panthera Britannia online. If you can get to see Britain's Big Cat Mysteries while on Blaze or, or anywhere else that may be showing, you really have to. It's great evidence. It's great footage is they both are really amazingly uh, informative and groundbreaking documentaries. man. it's been great. Thanks so much.